Shut up, will you? Shut up! Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help! I'm being repressed, bloody peasant! Oh, what a giveaway. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, eh? That's what I'm on about. Do you see him repressing me? You saw it, did Okay, folks, just a quick announcement to begin with. For seminars this year, all of 2021 seminars will be held in Wichita Falls. So if you're holding off, waiting to see if we open up another city, uh, that's just not going to happen this year. Fortunately, you get to come visit Wichita Falls, the jewel of North Texas, where we have blue skies and golden opportunities. Next seminar up is going to be February 5th through the 7th. We have four or five spots left for that. After that, it'll be April 16th through the 18th, and then June 11th through the 13th. We've added a few camps to the list. We have a coaching development camp covering the Power Clean in Houston at Starting Strength Houston. That's going to be on March 6th. We've also added another squat and deadlift camp in Tampa on March 6th. And then a nutrition camp has hit the list on March 13th in Houston at Starting Strength Houston as well. And along with that, Testify Strength and Conditioning in Omaha is having their plethora of meets, including a strength lifting meet, some USA weightlifting meets, and a strongman meet. Check out the website for more details. Starting Strength Gyms are opening and operating where you can come in and work with a coach for less than 30 bucks a session. We continue to add cities to the list. We're also hiring for multiple coaching positions and head coaching positions. And you can find out more information about all of that at locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as usual, for more details and information on anything that I've spoken about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome to Starting Strength Radio. Howdy doody, everyone. It's Friday. How come people make fun of the way I say Friday? What do they want you to say? Friday? Friday. 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 I don't know. Like fives? They want everybody to be from fucking California. Fives. Can you imagine everyone on earth being from California? Chaos. One <laughs> giant fucking playground is what it'd be. <laughs> Fives. Friday. Welcome to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday. You fucking. <laughs> and today we're going to do another QA. Because, you know why? Because it's cool. Fuck it. Because people ask these questions, and hell, I can't think of anything better to talk about. So we're going to do the Q&A again today. But first, comments from the haters. Did I pronounce that? Correctly enough for all of you California I didn't mispronounce anything. Comments from haters. Comments from the haters. <laughs> oh, God, man. 
It's just amazing. All right, so here's one. When you go to Rip's house for food and find out he reuses the raw meat flour every time, never washes his pan and sucks the nozzle of the olive oil. Love it. I just subscribed. Thanks, Rip. (laughs) What do you think he means by the raw meat flour? It's not like you don't cook it. But what, what, does he, what does he mean by that? The flour from the, the, the freezer? Yeah, the flour from the freezer you're using. Oh, that I put the meat in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. But you, I, I guess he doesn't understand that you cook it. all of the meat that that is touched by the flour, the flour stays on the meat, and nothing is left in the flour that constitutes. And, yeah, the pan's hot, yeah, right? You end up cooking we, it regardless. We cook it, right? So, so it's, you know, like. Antiseptic or whatever, you know. I all the bacteria is dead at that point. The bacteria is dead, and even if it's not dead, you don't get to come to the house and eat anyway. So how about you, you know, uh, worry about other things? All right, all right. Are the pauses you guys editing out? Rips breathing. Don't censor his breathing. Well, is it? It is. <laughs> it totally is. It's not. It's not breathing. Well, it's not breathing. It's, 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 it's coughing, wheezing. Yeah. You know the effects of my sixty-five-year smoking habit. And the deadly COVID nineteen. And the deadly COVID nineteen that I've had once a month for the past nine months. But really, that's smoking, right? I should. I really ought to quit that. Don't you think? Nasty habit. You you've been getting me getting on my ass about it for a long time. I think I'll quit. Right. Rip, would you rather fight one bree sized duck or a hundred duck sized brees? It sounds kind of like fun both ways, doesn't it? A hundred duck-sized breeze sound terrifying to me. A hundred duck-sized breeze crawling all over that, everywhere. That's God, that's oh terrifying. my! Yeah, I'd rather fight the giant duck. You know, it's like that rat scene in the in the vampire movie. Oh, and um, in uh, Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula, where where the where he turns into rats. Yeah, but it's just breeze. Just breeze all over the. <laughs> Yeah, scurrying out the door. Nightmare. Nightmare fuel. What does Asgard mean anyway? Is that something you wear in prison to prevent rape when you drop the the soap in the shower in prison? (laughs) You know, I don't know that. You're the bottom, you know, 0.3%, motherfucker. I... Why don't you tell us what happens in prison? <laughs> You're obviously there right now typing. So, uh, all right, here's this is a great one. Why did you put the butter in? I guess someone talking about the okra here. It would have been vegan otherwise, and I would have loved to taste that. There's more than enough fat in it already. Ask yourself this question. Why would I want to make a vegan happy? 
Why would I want the vegan to eat my food? I mean, we actually discussed this before the before the shoot. We said, you know, should we should we put this butter in? Why don't we just do it all with olive oil? And I said specifically, remember what I said? Mm-hmm. So that vegans will not make this recipe. That's exactly what I said. And I'm dead ass serious too. Completely dead serious. Man, I was cringing at the amount of salt he added. (laughs) This is James Brown. He was cringing. James probably cringes at a lot of things. He also thinks mayonnaise is spicy, probably. Yeah, he thinks mayonnaise is mayonnaise is 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 hot. Mayonnaise is hot. You know, his spice is butter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, the haters never failed to uh, entertain us, do they? I'm so glad we came up with the comments from the haters section. I think it's an important contribution to Friday. Friday. And that's comments, comments. From, from the haters. All right. Now that we've got that out of the way and kicked off, uh, to everyone's satisfaction. You think everybody likes comments from the haters? I think that's their favorite segment. Mm-hmm. Do you? I think so. You think that uh, people would miss it if we didn't do it anymore? Only one way to find out. Just stop doing Just it. fucking well, stop. Well, we, we only do it when we're doing Q&A. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. we, we have a guest. We don't want to clutter the the guests valuable time up with stupid bullshit. (laughs) People write in. Okay. uh, So man, that's some tasty coffee. Which one of you guys made that? Bree used to work at Starbucks, you know, long time ago. You can tell. Okay, so we've got some questions here. This is this first one I'm going to read is kind of a good one because it touches on a bunch of stuff that comes up all the time, and uh, it allows uh, allows us to clarify a few things that are just floating around out there. And uh, uh, it, it uh, I submitted a short version and a long version, so we're just going to take the long version because long is better. Always. Right? I've been listening, watching your podcast for just over a year. After doing strong lifts, five by five, and hitting a progression, a progression wall, as well as trying to, uh, trying, uh, it says, other 
non-NLP programs, I figured I would give starting strength a shot. Well, that's charitable of you, right? In December, I bought the blue book, gray book, barbell prescription. This is like a month and a half ago. I deloaded and focused on the form of the exercise as is taught in your YouTube videos and books. I've already progressed past my PR for strong list five by five. That's in the course of a month and a half. Isn't that fascinating? As a fan of your experience in life, I noticed that people credit both strong lifts and your program as being based on Bill Starr's strength programs. But sifting through the blue book, I noticed that Bill Starr is mentioned to someone you worked with, but I couldn't find any mention of his influence on the program itself. Is there a story worth telling there? Would love to hear it on one of the podcasts. Well... Here's your lucky day. Jim Carlo or Jim Perro G, GP. Italian guy. Right? Probably an innocent Italian guy. Not in the mafia. They all, you know, we, we of North Americans have uh, somehow arrived at the at the conclusion that everybody in Italy is in the mafia. And, I mean, that's physically impossible, right? I mean, I think so, right? So uh, let's, let's discuss this. All right, here's the situation with this strong lifts five by five thing. When, uh, and I hadn't discussed this before, is it just pisses me off. At a low level, you know, it pisses me off at a low level because people are just, this is just the way people are. It's been demonstrated over and over again that people will take your shit from you. All right. Now, we published the first edition of Starting Strength in June of 2005. Uh, Within about six months, this guy that runs this, thing out of the Netherlands had published a book from us. I mean, we sent him the book. We, we know he was reading the book and then this five by five thing shows up, which is kind of a shitty version of our, of our programming. He contacted us, wanted us to give him some free stuff in exchange for promoting the program. And we said, no, and uh, he went ahead and promoted all this stuff on the on his website, and lots and lots of people. He's probably made more money off this than we have. I mean, quite a few times over. Uh, and he's been quite successful with it. There's been no dive. You can't, you know, say that the guy's not done real well using our shit because he's done real well using our shit. But. He used our shit, not Bill Starr's. All right. Bill uh, was a good friend of mine, good friends with lots of people. Those of us that were good friends with Bill back 30 years ago are all still friends with each other. We're all, you know, related to each other through Bill Starr. 
he was a very important guy in most of our lives, for better or for worse. He was just our friend, and he was a he was quite a character. He was an influential guy. He's one of these personalities that you just can't avoid, right? But Bill's programming, we, we don't have to guess about what it was. His book was The Strongest Shall Survive. Well, if you want to read it, you're going to have to borrow one from somebody that we that, looked on Amazon, and they're going for four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars yeah. for starting for strongest shall survive. Really? Yeah, that's amazing because it's out of print, and we have been able unable to get in touch with the copyright holder, and it will therefore remain out of print in uh, for the foreseeable future. If you want to copy of it you want to know what bill said then you buy that book and read it uh bill's programming was remarkably sparse uh in the strongest shall survive he devotes i think two pages to the squat he was not a technique coach that's not what he did not analyze the technique of the squat. He did not coach technique on the squat. I remember very clearly him standing there with me while I was squatting and not having my technique analyzed or mentioned at any point during the entirety of the time that I associated with Bill in the gym. Uh, technique squatting, the te- the squat, the coaching of technique that that we do in starting strength was uh, my development in working with people in the gym for decades. And Bill had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Uh, I developed the technique part of the, of the starting strength model. And as far as the programming of uh, that is behind starting strength is concerned, I developed that too. The novice linear progression was entirely a function of my experience in the gym, having uh, clients come in in a completely detrained fashion and trying to maximize uh, their time in the gym in terms of the results they'd get so they'd stay with the membership. Yes, it was just naked greed, obviously, is what, what motivated that, but as far as the programming is concerned, where you come with the, the five pounds of workout programming, that was my deal. That was not Bill's. Bill's programming, as detailed in The Strongest Shall Survive, was the program that we included in the gray book under heavy, light, medium as the intermediate level programming because what his program wanted you to do was a PR one day a week. He used sets of five all the way from warm ups to work sets. And one day was a heavy day, next day was a light a light day, and the next day was a medium day. And it's right there in Strongest Shall Survive. You don't have to guess about 
where this came from. That was the programming that he used in his book, Strong as Shall Survive. The only other book he wrote about training was Defying Gravity, which was a book about the actual competitive aspects of Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting. It had nothing to do with training. It was about how to perform at a meet. In neither of those books was anything remotely similar to our novice progression ever even discussed. It was just not it was not discussed with me personally with Bill. It was not discussed in anything he wrote, none of his articles that he the articles, the long history of his publication with various monthly uh uh, magazines and, and in the end websites were, uh, discussed the novice progression in the sense that we have developed it. Uh, to say that strong lifts five by five and ours, what do we call this? The novice linear progression, starting straight novice linear progression. Say that either one of those were developed based on Bill Starr stuff is, is, is patently absurd. There was nothing in either of those two programs that came directly from Bill Starr. None of it. I mean, yeah, we squatted. Yeah, we deadlifted. We bench pressed. But Bill thought in Strongest Shall Survive that the big three were the squat, the bench press, and the power clean. He didn't even include deadlifts as, a, as an important part of his programming. He encouraged us to do them, of course, but that was because we were going to powerlifting meets and not Olympic weightlifting meets. Um, I, I hear this from time to time. You know, I keep hearing that our material is completely derivative from Bill Starr. And uh, those of you that want to say that, y'all go ahead. You're full of shit. You don't know. I was there. You weren't. Right? And I know where all this stuff came from and where it didn't come from. Uh, there's just some people that can't stand the idea that I developed some of this programming stuff independent of anybody that, that came before me. Well, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm real, real, real bright, but it does recognize the fact that a whole bunch of people hadn't been thinking very hard about this until we started publishing this stuff ourselves, right? You know, it's not that I'm smart, it's that you're stupid. Surely you see the difference there, right? But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this, this strong list five by five shit and, uh, and starting strength having been derived from Bill's work is just not, it's just demonstrably not true. And if it's all there in strongest shall survive. Look it up. Strongest Shall Survive tells you exactly what Bill was thinking about, about training. He wrote that book back in the 60s. 
late 60s, early 70s. He started compiling all of this stuff. Bill had a long publication history with Strength and Health. He worked at, at York Barbell for Bob Hoffman and first got the, the job working under Tommy Suggs when Tommy was the editor of Strength and Health. And those guys published all kinds of different things. In fact, I just got a, a question the other day uh, on the board about John McCallum's stuff. The Keys to Progress was a long series of stuff that was sent in from somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know that Bill ever knew. Bill never met the guy. John McCallum wrote these fabulous little short articles in a long series of these things that were published in Strength and Health over over a long period of time. There were 70 or 80 of these articles. And they're masterpieces of, of prose. They're just, they're fun to read. You know, the guy was just a very good writer, very entertaining. Uh, but even John McCallum stuff was kind of all over the place in terms of training. The, the primary takeaway from McCallum stuff is that, uh, John McCallum wanted you to lift heavy weights and eat a whole lot of food. And he wanted you to, to base your training around the, the primary lifts, but he didn't make any recommendations in, in concrete about sets and reps or anything like that. He just was generally wanted you to lift heavy weights and eat a lot of food and get real big and strong. And there were several other people. Uh, Bradley J. Steiner used to write about that stuff back in those, in those days. I think Steiner is still around. Two of the other guys that, uh, that, that laid the groundwork for our thinking about how to take somebody that came into the gym today and what to have them do, what not to waste time with, what to spend time on, but the details of this that became starting strength were developed by me at Wichita Falls Athletic Club between the day I bought that gym in April of 1984 and today. Uh, the gym's gone through several iterations. It's gone through several different collections of equipment on the floor. At one time, we, I had a bunch of Nautilus machines in there back before I had solidified my thinking on what to do. Long before the training exercise paradigm became a thing, uh, I had begun to realize that I had spent a whole bunch of money on equipment I really wasn't using. You know, but at the time I was trying to compete with all the other gyms in town and, and, uh, people expect you to have a leg extension machine. So I had a leg extension machine and, uh, you know, all kind of stuff like that, that, that later became no part whatsoever in any of our training programs, but I'd spent money on it. So I had it in there for a long time until I finally had enough sense to get it off the floor and replace that footprint with something more useful like another power rack, right? If you come in our gym today, we've got essentially platforms, power racks, bars, plates, 
and a couple of, uh, well, we got Olympic lifting platforms in the back and bumper plates. But as, as far as any other equipment in the gym, I've got a lat machine. I've got a leg press that is remarkably useful for people who are so detrained they can't do squats. And uh, that's about it. That's about it. We have narrowed our equipment down over the years to just barbells and ways to use barbells because that is the way you train things. Uh, the most important aspect of your strength training program are going to be the aspects of that program that you can make progress on for the longest period of time. Okay. How long can you make progress on the squat, the deadlift, the bench, the press, the power clean, the power snatch years is how long you can make progress on these basic exercises. In contrast, how long can you make progress on what we consider the assistance exercises? Lying tricep extensions, glued ham raises, knee extensions, if you've got that kind of a silly-ass machine around. How long can you make progress on these things? About six weeks. That's about how long you can make progress, because I've tried it several times. Tried to make progress for several times on, for example, weighted uh, hyperextensions or back extensions, rather. Uh, weighted glued hands. Full range of motion, weighted glued hands. You can make progress on those. In other words, add weight every week to the exercise for about six weeks, maybe eight, but not six months. Therefore, those exercises remain less than valuable in terms of a well-managed strength and conditioning program. Now, all of this stuff I figured out myself just from faced with being faced with the business operation aspects of a gym and how to maintain value for my members and their training. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the, it's kind of the bottom line, uh, with respect to the origin of these, of these programs. And, uh, you know, as, as much as I love Bill Starr and as important as he was to me being my lifelong friend and as uh, much fun as we had with Bill and as, as important in my development as a human being as Bill was, Bill didn't do this program. This is starting strength is not Bill Starr. And uh, I don't mean to sound ungrateful to Bill at all. I hope you understand that that's not what I'm saying. Because if you don't understand that's, that's not what I'm saying, then you're not very bright. All right. Bill's very important to me, but Bill didn't invent starting strength. Not at all. Not any part of it. Okay. 
And he didn't have anything to do with Strong Lips 555 either. <laughs> okay. Just a few more random things. Here, let's, let's address this one. What are your thoughts about Louis Simmons' conjugate system? And what are your thoughts about training different variations of the compound exercises? Like box squat, pose squats, etc.? These kind of exercises have their place in a program, or are they a waste of time? Well, uh, if you have read our blue book, you'll notice that some of the what he calls uh, variations on the compound exercises are included in the book, like pause squats, box squats. Louis didn't invent these things. You know, Louis never said he invented them. He just uses them extensively in his program. But the thing about Louis's programs, you have to remember, is that starting strength and West Side are two different programs for two completely different purposes. Okay? West Side training is for competitive power lifters who compete in federations that allow suits and wraps who don't measure squat depth and who do not test for drugs. That's what West side is for. Now I don't know that that's even controversial, is it? And it's not the West side people that ask us this question because they all know better than that. All right. It's people who don't have an appreciation for the difference between powerlifting and strength training. They're two completely separate things. We do strength training. Those guys do competitive powerlifting. They're two different activities. Now, they both happen to include squats, bench presses, and deadlifts, but they also both happen to include five pound plates and a barbell. And a building, you know, and a floor to stand on. I mean, there are all kind of similarities between the between the equipment that we use, but we have a completely different approach from what West Side does, and we because we have a completely different purpose for doing it than West Side does. Now you've got to under you can't be so stupid as to conflate me teaching your grandmother how to deadlift enough to make her able to get up, you know, off of the pot by herself and restore some function to her as an 80-year-old woman as opposed to be trying to teach Chuck Vogelpohl how to squat more than eight or 9,000 pounds. I don't care about that. I don't care about competitive power lifters. There aren't but about a thousand of them in the whole damn world anyway. Competitive powerlifters, I think those of you that own gyms already know this, competitive powerlifters don't pay the bills. They don't get the bills paid, boys and girls. Competitive powerlifters, we tolerate them. You know, if they're, if they're not just raging assholes, we tolerate them, but we don't want them in the gym, you know, because they don't make you any money. You know, 
You, uh, some 25-year-old kid that's a competitive lifter living in his parents' basement who barely pay you his monthly dues? What do you want to do business with him for? You know? I mean, you know, it's a sport I competed in, and it's, you know, sports, lots of us compete. A lot of us still compete in that sport. But we don't fool ourselves into thinking that our primary market as strength and conditioning professionals is competitive power lifters. We don't care about competitive power lifters. You, you, it's not practical to be concerned with these people. They'll bend your bars and tear up your floor. They won't pick up after themselves. They yell and scream. They intimidate your paying customers. They act like assholes about two-thirds of the time. Now, that's not to say they all act like that, but a lot of them do. And the ones that don't act like that know exactly what I'm talking about. All right? They're, the competitive power lifters are a giant pain in the ass. All right? On the other hand, competitive Olympic weightlifters are uh, quasi-intellectual prima donnas <laughs> is what they are. You know, I've dealt with those people, too, for decades, and they're a pain in the ass in a completely different way. Oh, one of the one of the more interesting things that those of us who have been around barbell sports for a long time have all noticed is the difference in the atmosphere in the warm-up room at a power meet and an Olympic meet. It's a it's an astonishing difference. And I first noticed this uh, when, oh, back about 1980, when I took my buddy Jimmy Mosier to the Junior Nationals up in uh, Colorado Springs when I was in Colorado in 1980. I'd, he'd asked me to handle him and at, at this meet, and this is the first time I'd been to an Olympic meet of any sort, and it was the Juniors. And, uh, the, the most amazing thing that struck me within five minutes of being in the warm up room is the attitude of the people, the coaches and the lifters in the warm up room at the meet. And I'd been to two or three powerlifting meets by then and everybody at a powerlifting meet and this is pretty much still the same way. Everybody in the powerlifting warm-up room is friendly. Everybody's, you know, not treating each other with disrespect and trying to, you know, have a dick measuring contest in the warm-up room. I mean, we measure your dick on the platform, not in the warm-up room at a power meet, right? But the in the warm-up room at the Olympic weightlifting meet, everyone is an intellectual colossus. Everyone is, you know, of towering intellect, and no one would dare offer to help another lifter load a bar or do anything else or offer advice or anything like that. Everyone just keeps to themselves and there's no interaction because it would be beneath elite athletes. 
of the type found in Olympic weightlifting meet warm-up rooms. You know, and, and those, you know, there are enough of you listening to this right now that, that don't have to take my word for it. You've been there and you've seen it happen. And you know exactly that I'm, you know that I'm right about that. And there's just some weird ass thing that goes on in the warm up room at an Olympic meet that doesn't happen in a powerlifting meet. And I, this is 41 years ago is when I first noticed that. Now I've been to, I've been to Olympic meets where the, where the group all knew each other and it wasn't quite so bad as it, as it, as it was at that particular meet, but at national meets, that's the way it is. You know, there's just a different kind of an attitude, uh, in the two different competitive venues. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting how that comes about. But anyway, back to, back to Louis Simmons conjugate system, which we call West side. West side is a different thing than starting strength. It's not the same thing. It's like playing po it's like comparing poker to blackjack. Yeah, there's money involved, but they're two completely different games. And there are cards involved, but they're two completely different games. And if you think that I, I, I don't know anything about West Side, I know enough to recognize it when I see it, but I don't know the ins and outs of the West Side conjugate method because I don't care about it. It's not what I do. I don't know a lot about tennis either. You know, uh, so that's kind of a interesting question that would be grouped in with uh, the first question we answered today. Uh, let's see. So the rest of these are kind of just specific questions. Uh, here's a guy. It says, hey, Rip, thanks for calling me a pussy. Working out alone, I had no one to push me. So a combination of boredom of the weights I was lifting being too light to be hard, and you calling me a pussy from my last question, I have jumped my weights up to where they feel heavy. Squats are now 365, three sets of five. Deadlifting 415 for five. Benching 230 for three sets of five. Press is 185 for three sets of five. They're pretty good numbers, you know, pretty good numbers. I know these numbers are not stellar, but they're starting to make me work for it, and I'm still going up in weight each workout. He's 27, 6'3", 275, so he's a big, strong guy. And he's not anywhere close to how strong he's going to be, having changed his approach, Right? I tried integrating a belt into my last workout. It made me feel far weaker on my lifts, so I got rid of it on my last two work sets. Well, that's interesting. Uh, pretty sure it's due to the belt being cheap import crap I bought in high school. Well, it may or may not be. He's looking to get a, a Dominion starting strength three-inch belt in single ply. If I were you, I'd go ahead and get the double ply. Uh, you're going to be... 
the kind of guy that appreciates that little bit thicker uh, belt in a two play than the than the single play. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, you know he's he's pointing out an important thing here. Uh, if I tell you that it's okay for you for the rest of your life to lift light weights and just do a lot of volume, then I'm telling you it's okay to be a pussy. Because if you never lift weights that are heavy enough to constitute a threat to your fifth rep, your last rep of the work set, then you're being a pussy. You get strong by lifting heavier weights. And at some point, that heavier weight is going to cause you to question your ability to lift it. Now, if you rack it, then you're being a pussy. But if you try it anyway, then you're not being a pussy. If you try it anyway, and, and it goes up, like it should if you've selected the weight correctly, then uh, you're not a pussy and you're doing a program correctly. If you try it anyway and you miss it, well, at least you tried it and now you know something. Either way, you've got data. You have data points from trying the thing you don't know whether you can do. You've got data points that you would not have if you just lifted more reps more volume at lighter weight. Now that volume at lighter weight thing keeps coming up. God almighty. It's amazing. It really is. You got well you gotta do gotta do more reps because you know hypertrophy is where is what, what you do when you do more reps and if you're not gonna hypertrophy the muscle, then you you can't get it bigger because getting the muscle stronger is it, it requires hypertrophy. It's like the hyper, which came first, the chicken or the egg? These people don't understand the, that it's it's not a chicken and egg thing. And acting like it is a chicken and an egg, chicken and egg thing means that you are a pussy. You're a pussy. It's okay to be a pussy as long as me telling you right now that you're a pussy makes you want to stop being a pussy because being a pussy is not good. Lots and lots and lots of people are pussies. You may have noticed this over the past nine months, right? Lots and lots of people are afraid all the time. Well, you get out of the bar and you don't know whether you can do the fifth rep of the set and you put it up, you, sir, are a pussy. You didn't have to put it up. You could have tried it. Because lifting the heavier weight than you've ever lifted before forces your muscles to grow, and that's what makes them bigger. This whole bunch of reps with lighter weight making them bigger, that's all bullshit. It's always been bullshit. Always. It's always been bullshit. You know it's bullshit. But it's very satisfying to you to be able to do these workouts without ever once having to question your ability to screw up the courage and carry the fucking rep down to the bottom and then coming back up with it. 
not knowing whether or not you can do it or not, but being willing to find out. That's the part that, that makes you not a pussy. Okay? So I'm glad this guy knows this now. This is, this is real good. I hope he's not the only one we've taught that to. All right? Okay, let's see. Right here. Since I just began starting strength a month ago, I love it and feel like I have technique issues, particularly with the low squat and the clean. He means the low bar squat and the clean. I'd like to go see a starting strength coach, but I live in a blue city with no SSCs. We're working on getting out of here. Well, you've got enough sense to know you ought to do that, huh? There is pretty much only one strength coach, quote unquote, in town. And according to his webpage, he is crazy woke, pro BLM Antifa, and I don't want to give my money to a person like that. Good. You shouldn't give your money to a person like that. There are lots and lots of pussies to give this guy money, but not you. You're absolutely right. So here's the question. Should I suck it up and go ask this guy for help? No. Or is it possible to get real technique coaching through online coaching? Yes. Is it the best option? No. But it's better than dealing with a leftist. I mean, if this guy really is a, a woke pro-BLM Antifa, he wouldn't want to charge you money for that anyway because that'd be wrong. He'd be making a profit, wouldn't he? And you can't have that. No, profits are evil. So, no, I wouldn't do business with him. And I would find myself somebody online to, to critique a couple of videos. And if they're helpful, it will become immediately obvious that they're helpful. You don't have to... Be there six months to figure that out, you know. You send them a couple of videos. If they, if if your weights go up on the bar as a result of them telling you what to do better, then it's worth it's worth investing in in that person's services. It's not as good as being in person with that same guy. With that same coach, it's not it's not it's not going to be as good. But if it's your only option, what are you going to do? You know, but it's not an option to give money to a leftist. That's not an option. Okay. Now says right here. With the current election results, people talk about moving to Texas. Your opinion? Depends on who you voted for. (laughs) We already got enough of you assholes in Texas. So just stay there. Right? I mean, that's concise enough, isn't it? Don't you think? Uh, Someone has been working a very physical job for several years to the point he's acclimated to the physical stress of it. Will they still be able to compete, complete the novice linear progression as prescribed? All right, let me point out that he is singular and they is plural. 
he's acclimated to the physical stress of it, will they still be able to? It, it is as though the fifth grade has not been attended. Public education. Has Public education. Yeah, we, it's it's we, we can't say he. We have to say they, them, their, right? And that's supposed to be singular now. And you're just supposed to ignore all that. Do you know how many times? Every single article I get in for the goddamn website, I've got to go through there and launder all of this number and tense stuff going on, you know, that these people have been taught. I, I don't When did this all break down? My seventh and eighth grade English teachers would have beat my ass if I'd have turned in a paper like that. And I mean, seriously, they, you know, they would put up with it three or four times. I told you not to use they, when you mean he come up here and you know, swat you on now. the ass and shit. And Gender neutral. Back now. And then you'd remember it. See, yeah. and not only you'd remember it, but, Everybody else in the room remembered it, too. The spankings I, weren't for you. No. It was for everybody else. No, 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 no. The, the licks were not for you. Everybody has to understand. The licks are for everybody else. You just happen to be convenient. All right? That's, that's, what, that's why they did those out in the hall. Right? You know, if you'd really fuck up, you know, the – the teacher would go down to the gym and get one of the coaches. Coach would come up swinging his paddle. You'd go out in the hall. You'd lean your ass up against the wall and hit you, hit you in the ass five times with a paddle. Now, who was that for? Wasn't you. By the time you got out in the hall, you'd already the correction it because you were now terrified and you're, it didn't hurt that much, but I mean, you get whacked on the ass five times. The reason it was done in the hall is so everybody else in the building could hear it too. Those are the people who are influenced by corporal punishment, not the unfortunate kid with the with the pink butt. <laughs> oh God, oh it's so obvious. To those of us that had to deal with it, but not to anyone else anymore, apparently. All right. So here's a guy that wants to know if he's, you know, been working a physical job. Yeah, he's, you know, he's adapted to it. That's his baseline. I competed in powerlifting while I was mowing yards in the summer in North Texas. You know, whatever your daily workload is, is your baseline. You're obviously recovering from it or you wouldn't still have the job, right? I mean, you, you, uh, the, the human, a, a young human male is capable of a hell of a bunch of work, right? And you're going in and adding three sets of squats, three sets of either benches or presses and one heavy set of deadlift three days a week is not. You know, especially if you're willing to eat like you're supposed to and go to bed, you know, and sleep like you're supposed to. That, that's not going to be anything other than just raising the baseline workload for you. Hard manual labor is not the same thing as training. No. It's Hard manual labor is repetitive submaximal effort. Yep. You're already adapted to it. 
you're already adapted to it. And uh, training is a completely different type of stimulus. And if you are adding training to a hard manual labor job and you're not able to make progress, then you're not eating enough and you're not sleeping enough. It's a recovery issue because that is the kind of stress that when recovered from produces an adaptation. That's what it's supposed to do. You know, you, you can't seek gym clients based on their condition of unemployment. (laughs) That's not the way it works, (laughs) you know? So no, just eat, sleep. Okay, here's the last one. It's fortunate that the last one is interesting. Almost like I planned it that way. My name's David. He's 32, 5'8", 200 pounds. He benches 105, squats 140, deadlifts 190. I continue to go up five pounds a week with some difficulties. I started very low, and I've been working on my novice linear progression for about a month or two now. My numbers are weak because I'm not only handicapped from a stroke at a very young age, but I have not strength trained in the past, and I'm mostly 200 pounds of fat. Well, you're not as fat as you think you are, Dave. Uh, I've been very sedentary and only Puddled about the gym on machines. The stroke affected my right side primarily, and I lack full ankle, hip, shoulder, and wrist flexibility to this day, and my grip strength on my right side is dramatically weaker. My right hand grip strength is starting to cause me to fail ladder sets and the deadlift, and hip and ankle mobility are affecting my squat depth. I would like to know if you would recommend I allow nature to take its course and slow my NLP to give my right side time to strengthen, or should I add additional training to correct imbalances, which may also slow my novice linear progression. If you would recommend additional training, what would you recommend to correct grip strength and flexibility? Any advice to better address my imbalances while maintaining progression as much as possible would be appreciated. Okay, here's the situation. You have got a neurological deficit on the right side. All right. A neurological deficit cannot be addressed with special isolation exercises that pull out little sections of the neurologically damaged musculoskeletal system because these things would be necessarily performed with lighter weight. And if strength is our issue here, then lifting lighter weight does not solve that. If you are having problems holding on to the bar in your deadlifts, this is a perfect time to use a strap because we're not, training your grip we are training the deadlift and the grip gets trained along with the deadlift but if your deadlift is being artificially limited 
by a neurological deficit that you cannot correct, and neurological deficits are notorious for that, as we know, then you are going to be giving up pounds on the bar for that part of the kinetic chain that is capable of lifting heavier weights. That's not being limited by your grip strength. So there's a perfect use for a, for a strap in a situation like this. Now you've mentioned, uh, hip, ankle, shoulder, and wrist flexibility that you black full, uh, Flexibility in those those particular pieces of the kinetic chain on the right-hand side. I'd have to see that before I know that your assessment of a flexibility issue is actually correct and that it's not merely a lack of strength in uh, the musculoskeletal system that controls those per- the range of motion around those particular joints. Uh if you've actually got uh, a, a neural deficit to the point where you cannot enter that range of motion, it's going to be difficult to get it to get it stronger. And we would have to think up clever ways to do that, and we can do that. We do have clever ways to address situations like this. A box squat in your situation may be a, a perfect way to address the deal, but... As with all kinds of serious injuries like like this, uh, like amputations at different places, serious disruptions to the structural situation within the kinetic chain require an extremely individual approach in order to be sorted out and experimented with and, and corrected. Um, I mentioned this a couple of times, there probably won't be an injury book that deals with that sort of thing because you you have to start in every one of these injuries, you have to start from the general principles. And the general principles involve the moment model of barbell training, and they involve the fam- a familiarity with the anatomy and the physiology that we're dealing with and when, when we use the moment model to load the musculoskeletal system. And the other general principle is the stress recovery adaptation uh, cycle that is the phenomenon of the general adaptation syndrome. So you have to understand both of these things and you have to understand them well enough so that they can be applied in situations that you may not have ever applied them before. This is where you learn things. Okay. Is the, is the general application of these, uh, foundational principles on which our program of strength training is based. And once you get to the point where you can apply those things, then you don't need exact answers every time. You work through the problems and uh, apply the, the general principles to the specific problem, and you'll come up with progress. Now, I don't know if you're going to be in a position to do this for yourself anytime soon. Uh, in a situation like yours, I would suggest that 
it might be worth getting some coaching from someone who has demonstrated to you that they are, in fact, competent in solving problems of this nature. But this is, this is a problem-solving situation. This is not a apply page 148 to your squat because that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Uh, I think it's admirable that you have not let this slow you down and uh, I think that you might find that uh, coming to our seminar would be very helpful to you. Might clear up some conceptual problems. Once you get a little bit further into this process, you ought to give that some kind of, some kind of thought because I, we could probably help you quite a bit at, uh, at a seminar where we solve problems all weekend long. We teach you how to solve these problems all weekend long. Give that some thought. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? I'm good. You're good? I'm good. Bree? You're done? What is it the kids say besides I'm good? No. Well, ask her. She's, I'm done. I'm good. I've got a lot of kids I train, and I can't understand half the shit they say anymore. Really? Yeah. Is the language changed? It's, get, it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, probably probably true. God knows what's going to happen over the next four years. What I want to know is what is vibing? Vibing? You're vibing. You're vibing. Vibing? Chilling. 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 chilling? Yeah, I know that. Vibing yeah. means chilling? Yeah. What's chilling mean? Chilling. See, that's See, a... See, there... That's a... There's a disconnect. <laughs> that's how there. far behind I... Yeah. Chilly. I mean, I mean, sitting down, yeah, right? You're hanging out. Hanging out. Yeah. Hanging out, chilling, vibing. All same thing. Hanging out means what? Hanging out means, I don't know, socializing. Socializing. Yeah. Everybody got their clothes a, on? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Socializing in just a mellow way. Hooking up means the clothes yeah, come yeah, off. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, got it. Now that we're all clear with that. <laughs> Okay, well, then I tell you what, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go eat something. Oh, that sounds good. I think I'm going to go have some pho. That was good. Pho. Pho. Is it a, is it pho? I think it's pho. Pho? Pho. Like up at the end? Yeah, pho. Who was who it that told me that Ray did? Mm-hmm. He's got inside knowledge. Yeah, he, he's... He he lived in California, so he knows. He li- he's yeah he's from California, so he knows mm-hmm. all things. Is he from California. there? Or did he just live there? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's from there. Yeah, well, he got the fuck out of there. He got he had enough sense to get the fuck out. That's yeah. true. He and everybody else in California went to Idaho. <laughs> or Texas. it'll be full now. Or fucking Texas. Or Travis County. Yeah. God almighty. Well, anyway. <sighs> I guess, since nobody else has anything they want to talk about, uh, we'll just let it go, and we will see you next Friday on Starting Strength Radio.